0: Welcome to Simply by Grace, a podcast of Grace Life Ministries with founder and director, Dr. Charlie Bing. This podcast and other helpful resources can be found at our website, gracelife.org. Now, here's Dr. Bing. Hi there. Glad you're here to listen to another story in our series called Grace Stories. Everyone has a story because everyone's on a journey in life, and the story you're going to hear today. It's how someone met God's grace in their journey and how it changed his life. I'm going to introduce you to a friend. But years ago, you wouldn't want to have run into him or be on his bad side. You see, he was an expert in karate. In fact, he started and taught the program at Mississippi State University. Karate and the benefits it brought him was his life until he discovered the grace of God. Then he stopped fighting. This is his grace story. Hi, friends. Glad you could join us today for another Grace Story. I think you're going to enjoy today's because I'm sitting with a a friend and a very interesting fellow. His name is Butch Simmons, and uh, we've known each other for a good number of years, but he's always amazed me, and I think his story is going to amaze you in some ways. He's been through a lot, and um, I want to welcome you, Butch. So glad to be here, Charlie. I'm sitting here in Starkville, Mississippi with him. And uh, that's where he's
1: you're actually from here, right? Well, from Southwest Mississippi. Southwest Mississippi. Oh, uh, an hour north of Baton Rouge. Is that anywhere near Picayune? It's probably 2 hours back west. I learned where Picayune
0: was last night. <laughs> and yes. And uh, one of the ladies baked a king cake. Yes. And boy, that was good. And as I was she brought it to the restaurant, and as we were walking out the restaurant, everybody was saying, oh, look, there's a king cake. There's a
1: king cake. Related to Mardi Gras. Then, then Related to New Mardi Gras. So,
0: so for anybody that's listening no, no doesn't know what we're talking about, it's a special cake they cook around Mardi Gras time. Yes. Right. And this one had filling of cream cheese and fruit. Yes. And it's decorated with great, all kinds of stuff great on top. Cakes oh, really boy, good. it was good. It was sinfully good. <laughs> anyway, appreciate you being with us, uh, Butch. Um, so... Let me, I always like to have a context for this, so uh, let's, let's, you were from southwest Mississippi. Uh A town
1: called Gloucester.
0: Gloucester. Okay. Tell us a little bit about your early life, family, upbringing.
1: Uh, Small, small town. On Saturdays everyone came to town and it may maximize at maybe 2,000, possibly. It was a great place to wake up, to to get up in the morning, go. Mom, Dad, they said, get outside, do what you want to do. We were safe. Mm -hmm. No such thing as drugs back then, many years ago. And uh, we were always protected. And we knew that if we were in trouble at someone else's house, we were already in trouble at our (laughs) house. There wasn't any thought of, our mom and dad taking our side of it. That's yeah. just the way it was, but we were safe, we were secure, and we just lived life. Siblings, we, living in a guy, living in a yeah. time of um, pre-integration. Mm-hmm. The uh, prejudice was so strong, mm. and literally, we had a railroad track. Mm-hmm. in our town that separated mm-hmm. the black community from the white community. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because I learned every athletic skill that I had from black kids who came to my yard and played.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And my mother didn't treat anyone those different. If I broke the window, I got the paddling. If they broke the window, they got paddling. <laughs> but there came a time, maybe, Charlie, uh, it would be when teenage years hit. We knew the blacks would not come back on our side of the track. But Just the craziest thing. And I lived in a time where it was actually white drinking fountains, and then it would be labeled colored Yeah. drinking fountains. And like going to the movies, they had to go up on the outside, sit in the upper deck, and... Uh, it was just a strange. Yeah,
0: time. Mississippi was a real yeah. hub for the civil rights movement. Yeah. So you went through all those Seeing changes. Seeing all
1: that, and you grow up that way, and it's not that you thought you were better than, but in a sense, we were. And so it was a thing. That, better off. Yeah, yeah, and that. But but even at times, I must be somebody better than that person because his skin is darker. Hmm. But that's a prejudice that. Well, I can go ahead and say this: God delivered me from that many years ago. Mm-hmm. It was something I dealt with, had to deal with, and it was just that's it was just growing up that way. We didn't know any different.
0: Yeah, well, that's that. That's good. Well, praise the Lord for that. Your parents uh, were, were were they uh, particularly religious? Have uh, a religious background?
1: They were churchgoers. I think both my mom and dad were saved. Uh, Growing up in a town maybe 40 miles uh, from where Gloucester was, and uh, growing up on ra- not ranches but uh, farms, things of that nature, hard workers. So that's the way they taught my sister Patricia and me to. Uh, there's got to be a work ethic, and so they instilled that in, in us at a young age. Even so, that that was a real good thing.
0: Yeah, it really was. So did they take like take you to church and go themselves? Oh, yes as well? so you We went to church
1: all the time all the time. And okay. uh, growing up, I was, did the things that most kids do in time, walk the aisle, do this or the other. And usually, as I've since learned many years ago that uh, as the evangelists came in summer after summer, they would usually say something a little bit different in how you get to go to heaven, Mm -hmm. things like that. My sister, she got saved at a very young age and never married. She's what we would call an old maid today. She lives in the area here at one of the nursing homes. Mm -hmm. Montgomery Gardens is assisted living home. She's 81 now, and her dementia is such that not much can be said, but she is so alive and happy in the moment
0: so she, she her, her faith has been consistent yeah, through she she, since childhood her, she taught
1: at hawaii baptist academy for 30 something she taught there wow and so, so what did re, what
0: did church and religion mean to you as a child i mean your, your sister
1: it came across as something that i mean we gained from it i mean it was a good thing to, you know it was the idea fellow fellowship which to me was Kool-Aid and cookies. (laughs) However, uh, I sat under sermon after sermon after sermon, and it seemed to me that uh, no matter where they were in the Bible, they always said the same thing. In their message, it seemed to be always to lost people, but they never said clearly how a person gets to go to heaven. Not even the pastors did. Mm -hmm. So I listened to that growing up, But, uh, you know, I really don't think I came to faith until later on in life. I was a good kid, sort of. I was mischievous, but I didn't do anything crazy bad, attempting to get away with things. I just didn't want my mom and dad to know about, like many kids growing up. But we we didn't break into a bank or do anything like that. (laughs)
0: You managed to stay away pretty much from drugs, Mm -hmm. alcohol even? That's pretty good. Well,
1: Well. not alcohol as (laughs) we we. keep going. No drugs, no such thing, but beer was certainly Mm -hmm. uh, the go-to back then. And so, I mean, I I can tell you, I mean, being honest, there was a, I think it was 10th grade year, 10th grade year, and I'm not sure how we came to this decision, but there were four of us that bought 13 quarts of beer. (laughs) And we went out in the country at the fire tower. We climbed up to the top fire tower. Oh no, not a good tower. place to
0: be with 13 and, quarts and of the, beer, my friend. And,
1: and the four of us drank those 13 quarts. And then we came down and, well, you can imagine how bad oh, off we were. We were supposed to go. The word was we were going up there to study for the exams the next day. So you can imagine how I... I might have scolded.
0: The story probably got out at some point, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, uh, became things
1: like that travel. Yeah. Certainly small town. Everybody knows everything. So, But I just so had issues with drinking some and it wasn't like alcoholism or anything like that. It was just, let's go have fun. Have time. fun. Yeah. Get a little high and let's well, do something else. Luckily
0: know? those fun times kept you safe because accidents yeah. could happen pretty easy when, sure. when you're oh, drinking. Doubt as you know but so but you know butch uh, i've known through actually the ministry so he has been active in ministry for a long time so we're going to wonder you're you're wondering if you're listening what happened where religion was just something rote that he went to and didn't think much about to how he got turned around and really understood what was going on so Take us through where you really started to understand the gospel, or who was the major influence in your life? What did you hear that made a difference? Or?
1: I had already graduated from college. <clears throat> this was 1969. That's a long time ago. Uh, stayed another year because I really decided what I wanted to do. I had a business degree because I was told if you don't know what you want to major in, major in business. Hmm. So I took marketing, banking and finance, all those things, sure. don't I remember going to class. So then I just, and of course I had a military deferment being in college. And so, graduated in 79, immediately took 48 hours in phys ed because I wanted to coach and teach, and as soon as I got the equivalent, which would allow me to be certified to teach, Uncle Sam said, I want you. Oh. And so I go in the military for three years. And uh, we, I was in Fort Pope, then in Denver, Colorado, then uh, That's Fort Ord, uh, California, mm-hmm. and then I went to Korea for 12 months. Hmm. Some of us, it was no choice of ours. When I mean, the military says you're going here, that's where you go. So some of us went to Korea and the others went to Vietnam. And the guys that went to Vietnam, it was shutting down then, and so they got out of the military six months before I did. Hmm. However, I never got shot at. And sometimes yeah. I think, well, I wish I had gone to Vietnam. But as I think about it, lost as I was, uh, it was probably a good thing. God, maybe. Not letting me go that way, so and we don't know how things would work out. But so anyway, I came back, and uh, my plan was to go. This is out of the military. My plan was to go to optometry school. I'd worked as an optician and just loved the whole eye deal. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I came back through the phys ed department, and I saw the. Um, Head of the department, Donovan Horn. And so he knew of karate background that I'd had before I even left to go to the Army.
0: Yeah, let's talk about that for a second. That was your sport? Your main sport was karate?
1: Yeah, well, I did everything in school, high school. You did all the different sports? Yeah, in high school, but I didn't play basketball except in my backyard. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) But uh, uh, the. I, I, I started karate in 66, 7, something like that. And uh, so I trained with guys in Colorado, trained with guys in Korea, obviously. And so I was already a black belt when I left for the for, uh, military. Hmm. And uh, so, but if you go to a founding country, uh, Taekwondo, In Korea, you don't walk in with a black belt if your black belt isn't in that. So I Mm. pulled that off, put it on a white belt, but with the skill that I already had, I made black belt in about eight months.
0: In Korea? Yeah. Wow. But
1: it wasn't a gimme. It was a guy who was a sixth degree. Um, We did, and I'll say approximately, 1,000 kicks every day. Oh my goodness. Besides the self-defense things, the sparring we did, one with the other, things like that. So uh, it was pretty demanding. But anyway, having gotten out of the military, coming and seeing Dr. Horn because I had taken all those phys ed hours, he asked me and why I came to Starkville, other than God's direction, I don't know. but. Um, I came back here to see that man because he's the last guy I really talked too much, mm-hmm. and I hadn't been here like this for three years or right. so, and so Dr. Horn said we are about to we want to start a martial arts program in the physio curriculum. Would you want to teach it for us? And I tell people once he said that, I never thought another time about going to optometry school, yeah. And so I worked hard putting all the stuff together, had to write out every detail for every lecture and after the lecture times, what do you do, how do we learn this system? And so we put all that, it had to be down on paper, they accepted that and said, okay, so you're Mm -hmm. it. So I taught at the university four years, Uh, first to, to do my master's degree. And then the other two years, I was a grad grad assistant when I came. Okay, and so uh, graduate assistant two years, and then I was employed by the university. That's what I'm trying to say. And uh, in terms, uh, let me just move from this direction toward hearing.
0: Let me, let me just inter- interject this. About God, yeah, right? let me interject this first. But I remember the first time I met you, you were just one solid muscle. <laughs> You, <laughs> you, you were, you were a bad-looking dude. <laughs> well, so you you got all the way up to fourth degree fourth, black belt. Fourth, yeah, and
1: uh, I, I, I was I, I got a first degree in Shotokan, which is a Japanese system.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I got a second degree in Taekwondo, Korean system, and I have a fourth degree in Shorin which is an Okinawan system. And so when I began to teach, uh, I tried to take all of my background and like fighting skill or whatever but teach people how to do Korean kicks mm-hmm. because in my mind they were far superior to the Japanese kicks. Now the, I'm not going to say that to a Japanese guy, but that's the way I saw it. In <laughs> terms, if of
0: you do, you'd have to get ready to use extension your extension. You
1: yeah, and the idea. Yeah. And so, anyway, uh, I tried to make the karate system appropriate to each. Individual. But martial
0: arts was kind of your life. You were enjoying it. Yeah. you loved it. You were uh, good at it.
1: Joe Lewis, not a not the boxer, but a a uh, karate man. Also, there was everyone's heard of Chuck Norris. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are many people in the state of Texas. Uh, in the early days, it was before we had pads and there was broken bones, blood, it was not, it wasn't uncommon for somebody to get hurt almost every time we yeah. got to do something. Boy. So I was just part of it. Hmm. So it's not that I started when Chuck Norris did, he went to Korea also, comes back, he begins to interject into the American system, not not just him, but there's a number of people doing this, and a lot of them were from Texas, really. And so that's how I got going Okay. when I went uh, to—anyway, so we we do this—let me back up, not back up, but we are—I'm about to (laughs) What I'm about to say is is really true. It's gonna I hope it is. It's gonna sound crazy, but I'm not making this up. Now, coming back from the military, I was not the best of guys. I used people. I used my ability to convince guys. If you pay me a little money, I'll make you as bad as I am. And I even if it's I don't know. Probably shouldn't say this publicly, but. I used girls, I did a lot of wrong things. And so the night before we registered for grad school, what my friends and I did, we went place to place, Lin Lou's, Triangle Club, Southern Air, Crossroads. One what juke are those? joint after Those are another. joints. Yeah. Okay. You know, we scuzz holes, they weren't mm-hmm. the place to go if mm-hmm. you, you know, you go there for a purpose. And so uh, my buddies said, we're going to go to NAPS tonight. I thought we were going to another juke joint. NAPS. NAPS. Okay. We're going to NAPS. I said, okay. But in my mind, we're going juking again. We pull up. So when
0: you went to these places, it was fighting, or was it drinking, or girls, or all three? All three. All three. Okay, just clarify.
1: All three. Appreciate your honesty. When when we, I never use my ability offensively Mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. Not everybody. That's what they train you to, though. My, my teacher, he uh, after we got going. He called all the new students over to him, it's probably our third or fourth night there, and he says, listen real closely guys, what I'm going to teach you, you will have the ability to actually hurt people. And then he said, if I ever hear you, of you, using this in an offensive manner, it will be you and me. And we knew immediately we didn't Yeah, yeah. We didn't want any part of this I guy. Wouldn't, I wouldn't test that, that <laughs> promise so. out. So I'll tell you that just to say, one of our outings, one of my buddies comes back to me and says, Hey, someone's I got one. I said, what do you mean? Man, I just hit this guy twice in the mouth, pow, just like it. I said, what for? He said, he puked on my shoe when he came in the bathroom. Oh, no. And so I went in there, and got laid out. Mm. And I think, we're not supposed to do it. But anyway, so
0: so you uh, see, you're going to naps, and you're you're gonna go find out all all the what kind of pretty girls are at naps or something,
1: exactly. (laughs) This, and here's now, let me tell you what the the, here's a dialogue. I pull we pull up and I said, Are you guys out of your mind? Because church wasn't anything I was after, okay. And they said, Simmons, you won't believe how many good looking college girls are in this building.
0: So explain what NAP is to those who are listening when they said NAP.
1: NAP's turned out to be a church where a fellow named NAP was the pastor, NAP Clark, James V. Clark, but everybody called him NAP. His name was NAP because he basically says, I slept through high school. (laughs) And once I went to college, all I ever got was a nap because I was so oh, no. far behind and things like <laughs> and that. And he's
0: the preacher so and pastor of this so church.
1: We go in, and so once they said, good-looking girls, I said, okay, let's go. So I go in, and I mean, it was it was packed out. It was a place on Scales and Whitfield here in Starville. Church is no longer there, but way back when. We're talking going on 50 years, I guess. And so... I go in and I saw something completely different. Growing up in a Baptist church, I know it's best to sit on the back row. <laughs> I learned that early. Yeah. So I observed what was taking place. First of all, this guy's turns out he was in his 40s, which he was a very old man, but he had white hair already. But what he was doing that I'd never heard before, he was teaching the Bible. On top of teaching the Bible. He was in the book of Revelation Mm. going one verse at a time, and I thought this guy is either crazy or he knows something I don't know. I looked at people there in the church. They were taking notes. College people were taking notes. So anyway, we get through that church service. We go to register the very next day. As we are registering, and it was it was literally in a what's now the called the Newell Grissom Building, which is a volleyball facility and very nice-looking place. At
0: Mississippi State. Yeah, at
1: Mississippi State. It was literally a cowboy where we would actually have rodeos there. Hmm. They would change the setup, and we would have concerts. I heard the Letterman there. I heard Ray Charles there, hmm. the Beach Boys, things like that. And so anyway— this next day after going to church, we go to register and all of a sudden this guy that I knew from years past who played football here, Don Dudley, walked up to me and said, Hey Butch, I saw you at church last <laughs> night and my first thought was, Oh no, I hope nobody else saw me because my Your reputation will rep be, be gone. I mean that'll be it. I hope no and he immediately says, how long have you been a Christian? And I said, oh, a long time, but I'm, I'm not really into that right now. And so we just had a little conversation. Turns out that he and I officed in the same office at McCarthy Gym. Yeah. He did his teaching, I did my teaching. I would look outside and see Don Dudley coming, and I would think, oh no, he's going to talk about Jesus. But he never did it that way. Charlie, it was like, I would ask a question. I'd say, why you got such a big Bible? (laughs) Just one thing after the other. And of course, I know now that what was taking place with the Spirit of God was drawing me to the sun. Mhm. And uh, so we just we went through that and then we so we talked this August I guess for September whatever whenever we started classes back So you're teaching then. martial arts yep, at Mississippi martial State
0: arts. with this your friend yeah. Dudley.
1: Yeah and, and Dudley, I don't know what he I mean he was in karate, he was doing he was doing other things mm-hmm. but that's why I was there and he was also a grad assistant. So, I've, what I've said to many people, and this is actually true, in a matter of, let's say September, September October, November, three to four months, Don Dudley literal, literally, <coughs> forgive my speech. I've you know, had other problems since then. That's so right. Got anyway, you Anyway, uh, Don Dudley literally loved me to Jesus Christ. One of the first things he saw me do was punch a hole in a wall in an apartment because the girl I was with had made me mad. Mm. I have no idea who that girl even Mm. was. I mean, just, I was a strange bird and I was full of myself. I mean, full of Mm. myself. And it was because I could do things that not a whole lot of people could do. Mm. Not that I was the toughest or the best. It was just, it was in an age, a time zone of early karate stuff, yeah. martial arts. In yeah, yeah, pretty
0: United intimidating States. and impressive to people. And so it was, it was kind of new, you could do yeah. things
1: that, you know. So anyway, uh, where was I? he and saw you store. punch
0: a hole yeah, in the but, wall.
1: But I mean, he, I, I say that to say that was one of the things that he didn't, it didn't make him stop loving me. And uh, it was so interesting because he was the only he's the first player, I've seen many since like that, but I've never seen somebody like Don Dudley at that time because people would, I mean, he was a football player mm-hmm. you know, two, three, four years before that. Mm. Big, tough, you know, probably two-twenty, six foot, something like that. And people would make fun of him. They'd even do it to his face. I think they were. They knew because other people had said you could do this to him, and because he would, was a
0: Christian, he had a reputation as a Christian. Yeah, and so they they could make fun of him. Yeah, and they knew and, he and wouldn't they, retaliate. And he, yeah, okay, he wouldn't do yeah.
1: anything to him. And I, my response was, don't, "Don't put up with that." And I even, being so bold, I will be glad to shut him up for you if you want me to. Mm. And he said his response was. They don't even know what they're doing. Don't worry about them. Mm. Everything will be okay. Mm. And I'm thinking, boy, you're a strange bird. Mm. He's the guy that said once he got, once he led me to Christ. That took place in an apartment, and it was a matter of him asking me how I knew I was saved. Since earlier I told him I was mm-hmm. just way away from the Lord.
0: They're calling so, your bluff.
1: It came down to, well, how do you know you're saved? And so I gave him a list of everything every evangelist had told me over the years, to which his response was, well, those are good things, but that's not how you go to heaven. And then it got on the concept of, how good do you have to be? My statement was pretty good, I imagine. See I wasn't always wicked. i have done a few good things. i have mm-hmm. helped old ladies across the street, the mm-hmm. scuff and <laughs> things <laughs> like that, mow my yard. I've done, you know, I'm a pretty good guy and so in time one step after the other you said you have to be perfect and that perfection comes only through the person the Lord Jesus who actually died in your place and as I thought through all that in my mind things began to click and change and I know now from so many years of studies, but it was God actually doing what only he can do you know we we think we may can persuade someone into this or into mm-hmm, that but mm-hmm. it's the spirit of God God has been working only, in the background do you think
0: somebody was praying for you?
1: Oh yeah no doubt. Yeah. I'm sure my mom and my dad and just mm-hmm. my sister and I know
0: mm-hmm.
1: I mean just a lot of people you know um,
0: so you, you, you he told you you have to be perfect. You knew you weren't perfect, but Jesus was perfect, mm-hmm. and as the perfect when He died in your place. The you finally understood that. So See, You never got that message. I never,
1: I, it never made sense. It, yeah. I, I never heard that being said, that yeah. someone who is God actually took your place. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I mean, once it, the Spirit of God made it sensible to me, and all of a sudden I did in the only way I knew but that makes sense to me.
0: Okay, so uh, clarify the moment for you. I mean, you know, some people uh, pray, some people raise their hands and shout hallelujah, some people just...
1: Well, I'm an interesting person to answer that, I think, because being saved in an apartment, uh, I didn't do any major confession before people. I didn't go see a pastor I didn't do anything like that. I didn't pray a prayer. In fact, uh, I was closer to laughing than I was crying because it finally hit me. You mean God will save me? Mm -hmm. Even me. I knew John 3.16, those kind of things, but it began to, it made sense to me, and you know, like when you, regardless of how people handle Romans 10, uh, what it does say is, to me, ten is going to explain nine, where it says, "With the heart, man believes; a confession is head, made to salvation." Yeah, righteousness. Mm-hmm. With the mouth, confession is made into salvation. And thinking through Romans, well, if I was going to think of a good place to talk to people about the gospel, it'd be in chapter three and four. It wouldn't mm-hmm. be in chapter ten. Mm-hmm. And so, what i the point I'm making is—says, "With the heart, man does what believes." Mm-hmm. And so, to me, the heart would be the real me, right. whatever that is. It's—it's yeah. it's inside. It's whatever. Uh, I'll give you a good illustration. I think this would be appropriate. We go all the way back to the thief on the cross, right. doing the same thing at one time that the other thief was doing, he comes to his senses and he says to this person being crucified, would you remember me when you come in your kingdom? Not to get into all the thoughts, what he might have been thinking or how much kingdom knowledge did he know or anything like this. But here's what I believe. I believe he had already believed in that person Prior to saying, mm-hmm. Lord, would you remember me? Yeah, when it you were was coming, faith that saved him, not
0: necessarily con- as yeah. verbally. So it confession. is
1: something that happens on the inside. Mm-hmm. And I go through that just to say something happened on my inside when Don Dudley was telling me that the perfect one paid the perfect price for someone that was so imperfect. I couldn't contribute, I couldn't do anything. Before, during, after, whatever. It wasn't about me, it was about this one who was perfect, paid the penalty.
0: And how did and that I change said, your? Uh, you said you were full of yourself before, basically living a well, selfish and self fulfilling life, but.
1: I would say that my karate demos changed dramatically. In fact, Karate is how one of the avenues by which God took me into ministry. Hmm. The way that happened was I would break boards, concrete, do fancy things, throw people off the stage, just whip a bunch of people, Uh, and then I would say, now that I have your attention, if you'll come pay me this much money, I'll make you just as good as I am. Mm -hmm. Then I got saved. Mm-hmm. I didn't immediately begin to walk with God as I should because I was so into the world system. Mm-hmm. But little by little, and then I stayed. I was can, can, cantankerous. Is that a word? I was. Good word. <laughs> I wasn't uh, cranky. walking with God, but yeah. there was a guy. There was a God who now was saying to me, "You don't belong to the other side. You're mine now." Mm-hmm. And so he loved me enough, I didn't know the disciplinary hand of God really, but then he allowed something to come my way, and I knew for sure that was God saying, I want you to be my kid the way you're supposed to be. So uh, now, I believed then that my next breath, my next block, my next yeah. chop, my next kick, was because of the grace of God rather than my so-called toughness. Mm -hmm. And so my demos changed from I was still doing the same thing but I even got better at the demos and then I would say, do I have your attention now? I've done this in the student union Mm -hmm. and everywhere else around because back then nobody would come up to you and say, Simmons, you can't say that here. I'd say, I am going to say it. Yeah. I, I mean, you just, that was... You, you can still talk about religion, yeah. Do it, so, uh, uh, so I'd say to have your attention, everybody. And, and what, if you, if you. Uh, I mean, I'm going to show you that picture. Can you see that way over there? Yeah, saying, you're breaking
0: concrete with your hands. Yeah, that's 14 inches so of concrete. When you break 14 inches of concrete, people are paying attention. Okay, so, so I have got their, their attention.
1: attention. And then I would say... I bet you guys think I'm pretty tough, don't you? Then I would say, let me tell you about someone who really is tough. Mm. His name is. Let me t- let me tell you clearly who he is. He is the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'd begin to give testimony. Nobody in the student union would say I couldn't do that. Preachers would start inviting me to their churches to speak to kids. Mm. And uh, next thing you know, the preachers are saying, "Won't you stay and preach for me the next morning?" <laughs> and I'm going, "Are you out? Are you crazy? <laughs> what, what's wrong with you?" And the preachers would say, "Listen, just tell the old folks the same thing you told the young folks mm. last night." <laughs> I had one young man preacher. He said, "Can you break stuff?" I said, "Yeah, if you want me to." He said, "I'll move the pulpit (laughs) off the stage. You can set your bricks up right there." And so I said, "Okay, you know, so whatever."
0: So, Uh, so the karate led you into getting speaking opportunities in the ministry, yeah. And then uh, you eventually went on for training Mm -hmm. because you felt God wanted you in ministry.
1: Yeah. Um, this church that Don Dudley was of was Emmanuel, where this nap guy was who taught us verse by verse. Mm-hmm. And so what I was gonna say about Dan Don is that he recommended that I started reading Romans once I got going. And <laughs> this shows you how stupid, ignorant I was, but he, I said, What do you want me to read? He said Read Romans. You're real. Just start studying it." I said, studying it? He said, he, he said, I've been studying Romans myself. And I asked him, I said, how long have you been studying Romans? He said, two years. <laughs> and I thought, well, I didn't say this to him, but I thought, you must be the stupidest man I've, <laughs> I've ever met in my life. <laughs> You've been looking at the same book in the Bible for two years? So he said, Why "Don't you start reading it. I said, okay, I'll try to read through it. He said, no, I want you to really start reading it. I said, what do you mean? And Dudley said, I want you to read it every day. I said, read the book of Romans every day? He said, yeah. Can you do that? Try it. And so literally, for almost six months, I read Romans every single day. Hmm memorizing much as Mm. you go through that because you read it so often. Mm -hmm. It's, It's interesting. The first Bible study I attempted to teach, I'd been saved about two years, and it was the book of Romans. And back then, once I could go through things, I you know, mostly parroting what Knapp had said and things like that, but I thought, man, this is... And then you get... Some commentaries and so-and-so writes, after 20 years of studying Romans, I think I have a clue to what it may be saying. <laughs> I know <laughs> you what know, you mean. Things like that. The a deep book. So uh, Knapp's recommendation, because of his background, um, he didn't go to Dallas Seminary, but he learned so much from Dallas Seminary professor types. Mm-hmm. Uh, So he said, well, if you think that's what God wants you to do, go to Dallas. So I applied, I got accepted, but I I think the bucket for that year was already maximized. I was accepted, but I couldn't come until a Mm -hmm. year Mm -hmm. later, which was better for me to stay under that teaching Mm -hmm. because uh, I'm one who believes in a concept of free grace. Uh-huh. And that's what Knapp was teaching from day one, even though he didn't say that. Of course, in those days, people didn't necessarily say free grace because uh, grace was grace.
0: Grace was grace.
1: And anything other than grace wasn't grace.
0: It's a shame we have to talk about free grace. If I never understand had our to graces, it, we wouldn't have to. have to. It's
1: very redundant because grace is free. You do. But the reason now is because everybody uses grace. Even uh-huh. Catholics use grace. Or even You name it, they use uh-huh. grace. Uh-huh. But they don't mean the same they thing. They don't
0: mean the same so you graduate from seminary, and uh, we're jumping. I'm jumping forward in a big leap. But you get involved in ministry here in
1: Starkville first. No, no, no. no? I go to uh, Mineral Wells. Oh, in Mineral Texas, Wells. Yeah, west of Fort Worth. Yeah. And the way it worked out, and this is, you know, everybody has problems. My wife Susan, she was 25, I think. This was this was my semester of taking second year Hebrew in the book of Psalms, and you're just craziness.
0: You were married to Susan at that time? Yeah, we had okay. two children. That's, oh, wow. And uh, Hebrew with a wife and two children, my friends, I'm telling you from experience. Yeah. I didn't have children when I studied Hebrew. I don't know if I could have done it, but go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: Well, thank you for saying that. <laughs> but uh, her dad checked out emotionally when he was about 25 years old, about 10 years. Didn't work, didn't do much of anything. Good guy, but just wasn't into it. When she was 25, she went from a young lady that could drive anywhere in the United States by herself to a lady that couldn't get out of the bedroom. The impression he had turned out to be agoraphobia, panic attacks. Mm -hmm. And uh, we went probably 12 different medical doctors before we finally somebody said I think it's an emotional situation. And so can't remember the guy's name who was at Dallas. He was a graduate but he was a maybe psychology, I can't mm-hmm. remember. Not memorized. Some kind of counselor. that group, not those two. Yeah. But anyway, uh so that was a long process there. And so I'm one of the guys who crammed those four years into five because mm-hmm. of Everything that had to just that just shut that's down. Must have been very difficult life, having two children life, and, life yeah. shut down. And uh, had a great couple, Dick and Linda Hill, who took our kids with them. They were like three and one, maybe maybe not that old, and just kept them for two weeks while well, so I could just do nothing but take care of Susan. Mm. Just you know, mm-hmm. you know, through the, you know, Christianity isn't about not having difficulty. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a lie. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so, you become a Christian, a lot yeah, of people think everything's, everything's uh, honey and roses after yeah, that. No. Exactly. No. no.
1: So, uh, I was advised to uh, that pastoral ministry might not be the best thing for you with your wife in this condition at the moment. And it just so turned out that a charismatic guy from Mineral Wells calls, talks to me, and says, would you consider coming to be a headmaster of this Christian school that we just started, or we are about to start? Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's what we did. So every three years there, headmaster, and then a guy who was that graduated with me, he was a pastor of a church there Grace Bible, he left going another direction. And the guys in the church said, would you step in to this role? Mm. And so I stopped it. And, and the, the problem of that, if you're going, you're doing all the devotion, you're teaching, I was doing all the PE classes, all the this. Just, the first year of the school, met in different homes all over Mineral Wells. And we had a building completed by the start of the next year. But uh, being the one who hired, the one who fired on occasion, it was through pastoral gifting mm-hmm. that I led the group, whether they were students or teachers oh, or whatever. Yeah. But after you study 90 hours in the Greek text to write a thesis
0: mm-hmm.
1: from First John, and then all of a sudden you're so far ahead, everybody else you're there ministering to, and you got a brand new job that you got to learn. Well, I kind of laid aside the pursuit of that mm. Hebrew and Greek. Mm-hmm. And so after three years of headmaster, then jumping back in and then little by little beginning to attempt to get back where I was, um, so anyway, three years there, and then as it turned out, because. I had lost both my parents while we were in Texas. One was my, Hmm. at the end of either the, thing think of the second year seminary, lost my dad. And then while I was in, I was headmaster at the school. Is that right? Yeah, headmaster at school, my mom died. Oh boy. And so uh, we decided after six years there that it might be a good thing to move back to Mississippi because Susan's mom and dad were the grandparents? It's we love family, and we just mm-hmm. and and both Susan's mom and dad lived to be mm-hmm. ninety years old.
0: Wow! So you've had you've had ministry in Starkville since that time. Since uh, I yeah.
1: I went back to Gloucester, oh. my hometown. Oh. Right. I pastored a church there. I went back okay. as a headmaster of a private school, wow. and I tried to teach that God loves everybody, no matter what color you are. I mean, see every every private school in Mississippi is known as a white flight school,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they claim Christian education all this kind of stuff, but every single one was because of, I don't want my kids to go mm-hmm. to black, mm-hmm. with the black kids. That's so, the way it was. That's just the way it was yeah. again. So when we, uh, uh, we go to Gloucester, as a headmaster there, then seven years pastoral ministry, and then after ten years, we move up here.
0: Okay, so you moved up to Starkville, and that's where that's where I met you. And um, uh, I I know you had some rough years, uh, rough experiences a few years ago. Can you just tell us real briefly what happened? You well,
1: about six years ago, six uh, years it was ago. The summer of July, uh, I went in for a hiatal hernia surgery. Supposedly it was done well, uh, closed me up pink. I was walking up and down, eating, drinking, visiting with people, don't remember any of that, but mm-hmm. I was recuperating. That was on a Thursday, the surgery by Sunday. My body had gone septic, and so when the, they, they, the people there had enough sense to get me in ICU immediately so I could be watched closely, The surgeon comes in Monday morning unaware of what had happened. They let him know. He looks at me. He goes to Susan and says, I must go back in to see what's wrong with your husband. He cannot live unless I at least attempt. He may die on the operating table, but he he can't live unless Mm -hmm. I try. She reaches out, hand on his shoulder and begins to pray for him
0: she prays your wife
1: prays he for prayed, the doctor he prayed for the doctor she prayed for the doctor yes. Hmm. my wife i wish you could have a chance to meet her she is just
0: oh susan i the, mean
1: the peace of god I know susan. came over her hmm. it was the night before she was having heart surgery in oh, 2002 hmm. the peace of god has never left I mm-hmm. mean, see, this is after fighting all those woes mm-hmm. of depression and mm-hmm. panic attacks and all those things. She came out victorious, mm-hmm. and she is full of wisdom mm-hmm. and the peace of God. So, back to my story. He goes in, seeing what's wrong, has to take out two thirds of my stomach and one third of the esophagus because it was necrotic; it had already died. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, there were eight more surgeries to keep me alive. Hmm. My daughter Hannah is an nurse practitioner, and she would write, posts on Facebook, and people would read.
0: Yeah, them. I would read those and pray for you. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, that's interesting. Yeah. We have the book here; it's two hundred and fifteen pages, I think, and it's from the time I went in until after Mayo Clinic.
0: Oh, it so was. Anyway, the, it looked really
1: serious. The eight. Surgeries weren't surgeries, we think we should or not, Every day had bridge bring something and tell Susan you need to sign this, we have to do this or you'll die. Hmm. And so it was eight surgeries. Hannah says it was 20 plus procedures beyond those surgeries. Just, I mean, from kid- kidney, what's it called? Uh, I <laughs> mean, when people have to have their kidneys done, can't. Like, you know. Oh, I
0: don't know. Ne- Nephrologists. Uh, yeah, but I mean just fancy uh, words for that.
1: Yeah, but I mean, shocked, shocked me twice to keep my heart running right, doing all this kind of stuff. So it was a— uh, Weren't you in a coma
0: for quite a the induced coma for quite a while, or—
1: Well, I was so under—it This was, it happened on the—I think it was the 23rd, or maybe wrong, 23rd of July. So I, I slept through the rest of that month, slept through unconscious, conscious wear, but slept mm. through, what, what's the next month, August, woke up early part of September. My goodness. And that's when I began to, the, the dreams I had, they were so combative, they were, they were just horrible, mm. terrible, terrible dreams. And I would think, I, didn't, I, knew I I knew something was wrong, I just didn't know where I was. But I thought if I can just get all these things in controlled in my mind, I'll be okay. But I never could do that. Mm -hmm. So it was just, everything was just so crazy. So anyway, I was in ICU 44 days and the whole hospital stay was 104 days. Mm. So I come out, come back here. It's a great welcoming party in the front yard with signs Mm. and they sing. Amazing grace as I got out of the car, walked in. Then, uh, 11 months to the day uh, of the hernia surgery, there were four surgeons in Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. I'd first gone to UAB, Birmingham. There was a fellow there who was world renowned. Thoracic surgeon, literally good, and you know Everett McKibben, mm-hmm. he's my medical doctor, mm-hmm. and as we, I would come back from those things, and he just he never, he, we just weren't moving ahead, weren't progressing toward let's do this yeah. surgery, and so I told Everett because I'd gone in his offices, and I said what this doctor said was it'll take the perfect team to put yeah. you back together yeah. to do your surgery. And Everett said, that guy is so good he command. He could com- command every operating room in that hospital tomorrow if he mm-hmm. wanted him. He said, Butch, I don't think he wants to do your surgery, yeah. but he wants you to decide that. I said, what do we do? I'll call Dr. McCauley, Tupelo, we'll see. Here's what he does. This other guy gave him maybe five minutes on the phone. And it was simply get him over here, we gotta have your patient because we gotta get him strong if he's gonna be able to do this surgery. So anyway, Dr. McCauley, he looks up a number on the internet of this lady's number, Shanda Blackman, originally from Texas. She's at Mayo Clinic now. And uh He calls with anticipation of a nurse or receptionist, someone answering the phone. And all of a sudden, Shanda Blackman says, hello, this is Shanda Blackman, could I help you? Hmm. And I think Macaulay almost. (laughs) Yeah. So he's talked for 20 minutes to Dr. Blackman telling of the situation, what i had been through. And she says, talk to your patient. If he wants to come here, we'll make it happen. So So, two and a half weeks later, Susan, Hannah, my daughter, and myself, we go to Mayo. And she
0: puts you back together. Long story short, she puts you back together. She had
1: done over 100 procedures like mine. Mm -hmm. Hadn't lost anybody. That was good. (laughs) Key people in what we believe was that God put the perfect team together. Mm -hmm. Just did it in Minnesota rather than Mississippi. And uh, we found out. The day prior to my surgery, that the person, his name is Mardini, Indian guy, who did all the vascular work, Mm -hmm. finding of the sources, putting them together, did all the sewing, everything. And Hannah said she read all the operative notes and everything. Said that the suture he used was like a lady's one hair. Oh my goodness! And so. What we found out was two weeks before my surgery, he had done, this guy who worked on me had done the very first face transplant at Mayo Clinic.
0: Face transplant. Yeah. That's the kind of doctors you need. Well Butch, uh, you've been through a lot. (laughs) God has been evidently watching over you from the time you climbed that Tower with thirteen quarts of beer <laughs> to, <laughs> to to now being on the edge of Maybe death. I
1: shouldn't have said that. That's just part no, of life. You no, know. hey, there's a lot of
0: people <laughs> going to say we know, we know about that. I know about that. But uh, so all all through the, your your fighting career, so to speak, it was a sport, karate, and then and then almost a death experience, and 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 being in virtually almost a coma or Mm sleep for for months. Just in our final minutes here, tell us where you saw God's grace and what it means to you today.
1: Mm. Grace is all of God. Man has nothing to do with it other than receive what God has done. And beyond coming to be a child of God, receiving that through faith, faith alone in Christ, uh, we've been set free. Literally, we've been set free. And I know that's uncommon. We don't hear that a lot. Uh, lots of attack on people who speak about grace the way we do. But uh, what we could never do prior to becoming a child of God, now we potentially can do anything and everything It becomes such a, in my experience at this point, and I'm about 50 years in this walk, it truly is one moment at a time. That's the way the Lord worked. That's the way He moved. He listened and did or said, spoke what the Father was speaking, and He did what the Father was doing. I think because of the Spirit of God in us, the same Spirit that was in and upon the Lord Jesus, we have that same potential. Hmm. Will we always satisfy the Father the way the Son? Well, obviously not. But I always say that's why He died for us. There aren't any fancy folks for God. Average people who love the Lord Jesus Grace means He will take any of us and do amazing things, even far beyond what we might imagine He could ever do, because He is good, because He is God. So to live in the moment is to rise early and anticipate what God's going to be doing, looking for the very first thing of the day. I plan my day somewhat, but it's never... I don't know if I've ever had a day that went the way I planned it. (laughs) Life doesn't go the way we planned it. Always God, stepping in, doing one more thing.
0: God's plans seem to override us. So somebody's listening, Butch, right now, and they're saying, boy, you know what, I'd like to know God the way that that Mm -hmm. fellow does, and, and know Him through all the hardships of life, and have that kind of freedom, and not be so full of myself. Can you tell that person how to come to know God in that way?
1: Certainly. It's not about some amazing faith that you have to muster up up and be some great person. You know, the Lord likens faith to childlike faith. Oftentimes, He does that. And uh, He loves little children. We need to remember that we are little children. Now, how do we become a child of His? It is taking God at his word, realizing that we have a problem. And if we just look at ourselves, look in the mirror. Anybody, just look at, you know, do you have it all together? Is anything wrong in your life? Have you ever done anything wrong? The answer is yes, you have. Well, there is a penalty for that. The Lord Jesus has paid your penalty instead of you having to pay it. Yeah. It's not a matter of you contributing to what he has already done. Just the, you know, the said many times this weekend in various ways. But it's uh, only two kind of belief systems, only two kind of religions. One is here's what you have to do to earn your way. Christianity, totally different. It's what God has already done for each of us when he died on the cross. He himself was made sin. That's what the father did. The father paid the sin price through his son to himself. How easy it is to sit and soak in the idea that Jesus loved me so much he stretched out his hands and said, won't you come to me the reality is only the Trinity knows what took place on the cross. Yeah, a lot of mystery there. God loves you so much that He gave His Son. It even says that it pleased the Father to crush His Son. Mm. That I can't get into that, <laughs> but that's God's yeah, love that's for a, us. Would you simply believe? in the person of the lord jesus and that's what
0: grace is dry. grace means that god did all the work we can't do anything except accept that as a free gift through faith and uh which has been great to talk to you and talk about you can just see the transformation over it you're in the small time we've been together to describe the transformation in the arc of your life from mm. somebody who was uh, just full of himself and out there to get everything he could using his unique skills in karate, which we will still give you that. I mean, you were a master in that, but that wasn't enough.
1: Mm, And uh,
0: you found fulfillment in Jesus Christ ultimately. You've shared him, I know now, uh, with uh, many people here in Mississippi and and ministry is going around the world through him. We appreciate your life.
1: Thank you for the opportunity to Visit with you. I hope we've said something that would impact other
0: people. Somebody's listening who will gain something from this. And if they just open their Bible like you did, mm. I would suggest John 3.16 to start with. <laughs> Most definitely. <laughs> and, and and see that that applies to them. So thank you for your time, Butch. Love you, my brother. God, thank
1: you, Mr. Charlie.
0: God bless you. Bless you. As Butch said, it's all about grace. How about you? Have you been fighting with others or with God? Wouldn't you like to have the peace that you hear in Butch's voice and story? Trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior today. You can do that right now. When you know that because of your sin, you have spiritually been separated from God. But God closed that gap when he sent his son, Jesus Christ, To pay the price, the penalty for that sin when he died on the cross. And then he rose again from the dead and he promised eternal life to anyone who would believe him for it. And that means you will live forever with him. So God wants you to uh, enjoy what he has for you in eternity. By placing your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior. Something that you can do right now. Would you please subscribe to the podcast? Leave us a note at info at gracelife.org or on the podcast site. And then always share it with others so many more will hear this message. So for now, until all here, grace and peace.
1: Thank you for listening. For more resources or to help spread the message of God's life-changing grace, visit our website at gracelife.org.
0: We'd love to hear from you. Send us a message at simplybygrace.gracelife.org. at See you next time.